Frank, glad you're with us. It is the 50-day mark, and it is going to fly on by, and then you are the ultimate jury. I'd be remiss if I don't remind you on Hannity.com, our interactive election map. It's up. It's running completely. And if you want to know how to register in your state, we have information. If you want to know when early voting starts, if it starts in your state, we have the information. If you want to vote absentee this year and you don't know how to do it, we have the information. Uh, everything that you need to know, all things, it's just informational. Who's running for Congress in your district? Does your state have a Senate race coming up? And imagine, you know, a lot of good it's going to be if we elect Donald Trump, but you don't elect Senator Tillis, even Susan Collins or Martha McSally or Cory Gardner or or John James is a great candidate in Michigan. Uh, wouldn't be good. We, we, and certainly we need to take back that Alabama open seat uh, where Doug Jones, the Democrat, is a phony. Told you he was. Knew it wouldn't last. Hopefully uh, we get that seat back. Uh, but there's a lot at stake. We've been going over all of it. Uh, Hope, did you, did you watch this weekend? You know, because it is amazing during the DNC, Democrats ignored the issue of violence in our American cities in a full, complete state of denial. Never once did they demand ever these liberal mayors or governors restore law and order in these liberal cities run by liberal mayors, these liberal states run by liberal Democrats for decades. But they care so much about the people, right? They, they have a monopoly on compassion. They tell us every two and four years you know, with the predictable Republicans are racist, Republicans are sexist, Republicans are misogynist and xenophobic and homophobic and Islamophobic. And they want dirty air and dirty water. And they want to throw your grandmother over a cliff in a wheelchair and grandpa, too, while we're at it. You know, did Joe say police become the enemy? Yeah, he did. Did he say we should redirect money away from the police? Yes, he did. Is he backing off? Oh, he's trying to. By the way, Kamala, you happy? You praise the L.A. Mayor Garcetti for defunding the LAPD 150 million bucks after what we saw this weekend? You know, it was Don Lemon that called out, hey, the, you know, the, 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 it's now that we, we have to deal with the lawlessness in American cities because it's showing up in the polls and, and even the focus groups. How about, how about you, you deal with it because it's just common sense? You can't pursue happiness, you know, in this country if you're not safe and secure in your own city, in your own town. Every American deserves that. That is the number one role of any elected official. And, and Don Lemon's right, but they weren't willing to even acknowledge it was happening. Since when, CNN actually said, since when, do, where does it say that, that protests have to be peaceful? I'm like, oh, is that it? We want to support anarchy? Or Jerry, now it's a myth that there's violence in these groups and these radical groups are, you know, throwing rocks and bottles and bricks and Molotov cocktails and whacking cops with hockey sticks and canes and bats and everything in between. Frozen water bottles. You know, it's, it's really, we're going to ignore the 3,000 cops have now been injured? We're going to ignore the the what, 15 dead cops in the country since all this crap started? They ignore mentioning it, mentioning it at the DNC? You know, now I'll give you the poll, and yeah, even the New York slime 
Toilet Paper Times and their Siena College poll showed Biden is leading the president in four swing states, but it's showing Biden could lose the election. Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, Wisconsin. A larger share of voters said addressing law and order was a more important campaign issue to them than addressing the coronavirus pandemic. That's another lie, too. I, if Trump would have listened to me from the beginning, okay, then he wouldn't have put the travel ban in effect. That's why your campaign ad looked so stupid on Brett Baer's show last week. Joe supported it from the beginning. No, he didn't. From, from the day after, the president, January 31st, implemented the travel ban, 10 days after the first identified case of corona, Joe was calling it hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering. He was saying it late into March, too. He never supported the quarantine or subsequent travel bans. He didn't support any of that. He's more concerned about sucking up to China. So a zero-experience hunter can get you know more billion-dollar deals out of the Bank of China. So now, yeah, this is now a big deal. We had an average weekend around the country in terms of, let's see, in Chicago, you had 54 people shot, 13 dead, six dead in New York, 18 shootings. And then, of course, we have the disaster that was L.A. And it was a disaster. I mean, I'm looking at, for example, the 53 people shot in, in Chicago, 13 people dead. It's an average weekend. That's a war zone. In New York, New York Post, you got a, a day daylight execution in the Bronx of New York captured on videotape shows a, a, a gunman firing point blank range at a 17 year old teen that was on his knees crawling blasting him in the head during a, a running gun battle in the Bronx of New York footage released by the NYPD shows civilians standing unaware as two two men in in Hoodies engage in a, with a group of teens across the street. Who knows what the reason is? What have, what have liberal Democrats done to stop the violence? They won't, didn't even, they, they didn't address it. You know, then we've got this crowd. I mean, this doesn't break your heart. So we have this terrible incident that took place. By the way, in New York, too, by the way, New York City public school teacher caught comparing cops to the KKK. And this is madness. And it's just it's and it's going on daily. So you've got in Los Angeles, you got this shooting that takes place. And if this doesn't break your heart, I don't know. I don't know what will. What you had is an ambush assassination attempt on two uh, L.A. sheriff's deputies. By the way, Kamala, anyone going to ask Kamala Harris how she feels about supporting the hundred and fifty million dollar cut to the LAPD praising Mayor Garcetti out there, the dope that he is, and he's a dope. I mean, all these liberal cities run by liberal Democrats, ambush, assassination attempt of these two deputies. They're now out of surgery. They're thankfully expected to survive. You did have a California, the Epic Times reported, city manager after the police are shot. Oh, the chickens have come home to roost. Wow. So he said, posted the chickens had come home to roost after two police officers ambushed in Los Angeles and targeted for assassination. We hope they die. Protesters blocking the entrance to the emergency room after these two cops are shot. We hope 
they die. We have the audio tape. We'll have the videotape on Hannity tonight. You don't believe me? Well, I could put that to rest very quickly by playing the tape. Pose your prayer. That's the You know how white supremacy. I hope they effing die. Hope they die, mother effers. Wow. What a nice group of people. Of course they deserve the support. Uh, Rochester police had to get permission to cover their names after harassment against them. You you know, literally, uh, you had an officer attack with a bat in Buffalo, New York. You got, finally, more voters are classifying the BLM unrest as riots rather than peaceful protests like the Democrats have been saying. Because they're not. This is, you know, these are, again, you, you can distinguish out people that, you know, for whatever reason, want to peacefully protest and, and chant Black Lives Matter. But that's very different than the organization Black Lives Matter. Those are the ones on tape chanting, what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them now? Is it now, because now beginning to hit home? One interesting sidebar in New York is I see that Andrew Giuliani, who's 37 years old, I've known Andrew for a long time, he's actually thinking, well, he's actually 34, he's, he's thinking he, maybe he'll, I'll, I'll run for office in New York, he'd have a chance to win. You know, but Joe Biden thinks that, uh, you know, claims assault weapons ban would save lives. He didn't mention any of this anarchy, the rioting, the looting, the arson. He didn't answer it. New York, he wants to do nationwide what Cuomo did in New York, which is no bail. These anarchists all over New York City, they'd be out there causing chaos. And, and I'll tell you what's happening, too. The cops don't want to do their job. And I don't blame them because they know they're not going to be supported. That's why Carmen Best quit in Seattle. That's why Carmen Best told the people, homeowners, residents, Business owners, I will not be there. I cannot in good conscience allow my officers who have been told they must stand down and cannot use the tools of their training to disperse rioting crowds. I can't put them in harm's way with defenseless. She had to quit. Same thing happened in, what, Rochester, New York. You one Westchester school 
under fire, a cartoon comparing cops to the KKK. Unbelievable. I see. Oh, wow. Mayor Lightweight, Lightfoot in Chicago. She's offering a reward for a gunman who shot the United States postal worker. How about for the, you know, and if you look at, if you look at Chicago, Obama's home city, from 2009 through 2016, his eight years as president, Joe vice president, those eight years, 4,000 homicides in the city of Chicago. Nearly 20,000 people shot, and they barely mentioned it. No police reform after Ferguson, after Baltimore, after Cambridge, after other high-profile incidents, nothing. No criminal justice reform whatsoever. They ignored it, but now they're going to fix it. It's pathetic. Biden, another press conference. He's gone full-on fear-mongering, playing racial politics and identity politics and you know, he's, you know, four historic crises at the same point. Now, this is the guy that, that did nothing. Just that he's afraid that China would be mad at us because the president put the travel ban in effect. He was against it. Now he's lying about it. He denied the violence in American cities. Now he's talking about it because the polls show that it's an issue. And he's talking about, you know, the four worst pandemic, the worst economic crisis, worst everything, emboldened white supremacy, and the undeniable acceleration of punishing the punishing reality of climate change. Millions of Americans living with the backdrop of an orange sky asking his doomsday here. He's talking about what's happening out in California, where the president now, by the way, is praising the National Guard that have been just trying, you know, the president. So he said that the president, the, the brunt of falls disproportionately on communities of color. And the West is on fire, and he blames the people whose homes and communities are burned. No, he hasn't. And he says he has no interest in helping the, the people of California. Yes, he does. But he's insisting there is a science of forestry that is not being used because of environmental stupidity and agenda. And that is you need something called controlled burns to prevent these fires from raging out of control like, unfortunately, we've been seeing more of. And now that California moved into their, quote, green energy, that's why you got rolling blackouts out there like crazy. Then he gets into, you know, paper towels on the people of Puerto Rico. Okay, let's play identity politics here. Uh, Let's say the hellish events, if he gets a second term, will continue to be more common and devastating. He'll put us back in the uh, the Paris Climate Accords, you mean the one that says that China is a third world country, so we have to pay the freight? What a dope. What a dope. Anyway, that's his that's his message today. How many suburbs will burn if Trump wins again? How many suburban neighborhoods have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? This guy's lost it. 25 uh, before the top of the hour. Live free or die. America, the world on the brink. And I mean it. That is not hyperbole. I mean, it is the stated policy. Nobody pays attention to the Biden uh, Bernie manifesto. We've been going through it. I've been giving you all the highlights of it. Not sure why people are ignoring it. And by the way, part of it is to, you know, go into the radical issues involving the police and preventing the police from being able to do their jobs. I mean, it's really, really pathetic. The, the idea they're going to, what, nationally adopt no bail for criminals? Okay, uh, why would any cop bother arresting anybody? 
you know, you watch what's happening in a city after city that, you know, of course, the Democrats have been denying. They're only mentioning it now because it's showing up in the polls. Um, anyway, on the election 50 days from now, there's a lot at stake. You know, I, I am watching the polls closely. Well, there's a narrowing in the swing states, but they show Joe Biden's ahead. Now, do I believe polls? Not really. No, I look at them. I look at all of them. They, can, they concern me. Everything concerns me. Unless I hear the words, we can now project Donald J. Trump's been reelected. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm concerned. And you should be concerned too. If you love this country and you love freedom and liberty and capitalism over, you know, statism, socialism, redistributionism, wealth confiscation, you know, energy dependence versus energy independence. It's all on the line. A tr- four trillion in new taxes. It won't be four. It's going to be like 30. It, it, it just you watch what what New York, New Jersey, Illinois, uh, California become will become national. I mean, they're literally in California proposing this 10 percent, this this 10 year tax. If you leave the state. For the first time ever, we have more people leaving the, the great state of California than there are people coming in. They're, they're leaving in droves. New York City is a ghost town compared to what it used to be. It's eerie when you see it. Really eerie. Prices have plummeted. Vacancies of apartments at like a 20, 25-year low. People, movers can't keep up with the demand. Now, some, some people are just moving out to the suburbs, Connecticut or New Jersey or Long Island, Westchester. But others are leaving the state completely and saying, who needs this? You know, with telemedicine, teleworking, and teleeducation, do we really need to have everybody in the office anymore? And you're going to pay this high, you know, the high square foot rents of New York and deal with the madness of, you know, taxation and, and bureaucracy that is New York City? I mean, Comrade de Blasio hears from 165 businesses and he's like, ah, I don't care what you think. This is a new New York. This is a New York of equal justice. I'm like, oh, boy. That's really going to entice people to come back. Uh, Bernie Sanders privately, according to The Washington Post, is telling associates over and over again that Biden is at serious risk of coming up short. He thinks the reason is he's too vague He's taken a centrist approach, which is not true. The 110-page Bolshevik Bernie Biden manifesto is pretty clear about that. Kamala Harris is more left-wing than even Bernie Sanders. So um, that's pretty interesting. Behind the scenes, we're hearing Ocasio-Cortez is not exactly thrilled with, with Joe either. Uh, we, In spite of the, the you know attacks from unnamed sources... Uh, new poll shows military families back Trump over Biden in a landslide. And it's not even close. Biden is claiming that Trump has put Israel in danger with uh, the Arab peace deals. I'm like, huh? Why didn't you get it done, Joe? I mean, I, you just think of all the things that that the president's been able to accomplish in less than four years, three and a half years that Biden and Barack never accomplished. And you think of this, I mean, think about it. It's, it's profound. They didn't do criminal justice reform, police reform. They didn't do opportunity zones. They didn't commit the money for the number of years that Donald Trump has to historically black colleges. 
You know, they didn't do any of that. They didn't shatter every record low unemployment. No, Biden and Obama, 13 million more Americans after eight years were on food stamps. That was an 58% increase. Eight million more Americans were in poverty. Over 43 million Americans they left in poverty after eight years. I mean, almost 95 million Americans they left out of the labor force. You want to know as a percentage African Americans out of the labor force, 18.5%. That's their record. You know, that, that is who, that is, they can't run from that. Well, they can try, but it's not going to work. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I keep going back to my simple analogy. It's got to be all hands on deck. This is a tipping point for the country. You got to act as though, regardless of polls, you can't pay attention to polls. There's been enough polls that show that conservatives and Trump supporters are not going to talk to a pollster ever. But they're going to show up and vote. I believe that. But if you don't want to wake up November 4th and and wish you did more, then start doing it now with 50 days to go. Just assume you're six points down. Use our football analogy. You're on your own 20. You have no timeouts. Two minutes to go. You got to march down the field 80 yards. You got to cross the plane. You got to kick the extra point to win. If you If you treat it that way, if everybody treats it that way, then everybody will do their part. And you can't believe, well, you know, one, you know, anecdotally, yeah, usually Democrats cannibalized, you know, through early voting, same day voting is usually a big deficit, especially in some states. But, you know, I don't trust anything with the Democrats. Biden is worried that he's losing Latino support in Florida. Apparently he's losing a lot in the Cuban-American community down in Miami-Dade. It's also apparently that's why he's ratcheting up the rhetoric Donald Trump threw Puerto Rico paper towels, which is a lie. Bloomberg's going to spend $100 million in Florida to help Biden. You have data pointing out that half the 2019 donations uh, to that group Act Blue came from an untraceable un- unemployed donors. Really? We, we don't believe that they'd be cheating if Democrats had a chance. I believe it. Bernie Sanders, we have 1,288 or 95 cases of confirmed voter fraud and nearly 1,000 convictions in this country. That's just in the last four years. So we'll see. Biden, on the other hand, is, you know, saying that Biden is in excellent position to win, but there are issues with people that want to hear more on the campaign trail. You know, it's 69 people show up at the stupid press conference of his today. Um, the White House to host a Made in America event as as Trump and Biden battle for the Buy America man. Why would remember Joe Biden and Barack said those jobs ain't coming back. You didn't build that. That's what they said. Biden arguing is in better shape than Trump. Just look at us. Okay, we're looking. You know, I'm looking at Biden and it's so bad. And I won't play the montages now, but. They're so bad. Ask yourself this, because Biden might be the type of person. Sometimes you get the greatest resume on somebody. You read the resume and I'm looking at hiring somebody and I was like, wow, I bet this person is impressive. Then you meet the person and you're like, okay, the, the person on the resume looks a lot better than the person I'm talking to. And just, just the way it is sometimes. Biden, 50 years in the swamp. He was a senator, vice president, eight years. Okay, he's got all the credentials. What has he done in 50 years in the swamp to improve the lives? One specific thing he's accomplished. 
because I can go all day with the list of Trump accomplishments. There are hundreds of them. Promises made, kept. Records shattered one after another. Biden's now claiming that, that he was not against the travel, but he's just lying. Biden's saying that he, he has been speaking out against the anarchy in our cities. No, he's not. He's been denying it. They barely mentioned it at the DNC. You know, I look at this guy and I'm thinking, if I was interviewing, if I owned a McDonald's, what I, and I interviewed Joe Biden with all the experience he has, and then I met him, would I hire him to be the manager of McDonald's? The answer is no. Let's say I owned a mini mart or 7-Eleven. Would I hire Joe to manage it? No. I wouldn't. He doesn't, doesn't look like he has the energy to, to, do any, to do any of that. Now, those jobs are, they're, by the way, they're hard jobs. I wouldn't even hire Joe to be a waiter. Oh, did I tell you? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot your drink. Oh, I forgot your water. What day is it? Oh, hang on. I'll go, okay, let me go back. I'll, I'll get it now. He gets to the bar and he goes, why am I here? You know, it's, they're going big on climate change today. We'll take you back to the Paris Accords. What? Why? Because China doesn't pay anything. They get third world country status where the United States pays the full freight of everything. You got to be you got to be kidding me. But that's the that's what they want to do. Oh, Donald Trump held a campaign event in Vegas indoors. Americans are making up their own mind. Everybody knows how I feel about masks. Now you make up your own choice. I think it's, I think people should wear them. It's only going to be a short period, ter, ter, short time now. We now have nine separate final stage human trial uh, vaccine testing going on. Nine separate companies doing this around the world. And by the way, when they stop the AstraZeneca Oxford College one, it's back up and running. the The illness they identified turned out to be fine, which is a normal part of the process, the vetting process. Unbelievable. But I'll tell you, it's, you know, these states all matter. Florida, you're, you're crucial to Donald Trump. Georgia's crucial. North Carolina's crucial. Ohio is crucial. Iowa's crucial. Arizona's crucial. President's playing for New Mexico and Nevada. Smart. Obviously, Pennsylvania. Joe has said twice. Now he's lying about fracking. No new fracking. We're going, to eliminate, we're going to eliminate all fossil fuels in 15 years. It's right there in the Bernie, Bolshevik Bernie Biden manifesto. Pennsylvania is crucial. That has is, that is created a resurgence of wealth and jobs for the people of Pennsylvania. Well, are you going to go to Biden? We're going to eliminate energy independence. We'll be, you know, we're going to create a million jobs building electric cars that people don't want because they haven't perfected them yet. Now, over time, I'm not against electric cars. People want electric cars. I know somebody that has, what do you call that, the Tesla. They like it. They swear by it. That's fine. I have no problem with new technologies, clean technologies. But the reality is this world, the world economy is governed by fossil fuels right now. And artificial deadlines are not going to change that. And stopping drilling and fracking and coal mining is not going to help any American in the, in the energy sector. These are high-paying career jobs. We're now the world's largest producer of energy in over 75 years. Energy independent in the first time in 75 years. But it's also going to be Wisconsin. It's going to be Michigan. And Minnesota seems to be in play. 
Looks like New Hampshire's in play, and it looks like the second congressional district of Maine is in play. And the Senate is going to matter just as much. And the House is going to matter. And I think the Republicans in the House, they've got a couple of big announcements coming up pretty soon that we'll tell you about. I have sources that say, and it should be important. You know, you know. So I read in the American Thinker, I forgot who wrote this, I apologize to the author, Trump's victory must be a rout. That's a sad thing to say about the state of affairs because people don't trust. I guess how can you trust is not going to be voter fraud when there's nearly a thousand convictions and the Heritage Foundation identifying nearly 1,300 examples of it. And this is recent elections. We're not going back many years here. We're talking about the last four years. The president kept another promise, moved forward with his executive action to lower prescription drug costs for Americans. Biden's ad saying the president is going to cut Medicare is a lie. His ad's out there attacking the president against that doesn't support pre-existing conditions is a lie. You, you watch the ads of Joe Biden, you would think this is the, the they've, it's like the, it's the slickest ad campaign you've ever seen. You think this is the guy with the most energy you've ever seen in politics. It's amazing what editing, slicing, dicing can do. And it's just one vicious, his whole speech today was a lie and an attack ad. 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free uh, telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We're going to get an update on the situation in L.A. and what can be done about it. Lieutenant Randy Sutton, 33-year law enforcement vet, founder of the Wounded Blue uh, Officers, sort of like Wounded Warriors. These officers, you know, I, I, you know, unbelievable. You said earlier, describe for me what the protesters were chanting. What were they saying? Well, they were saying death to the police, kill, kill the police. And these are sheriffs. And, and, but, but the message is still the same. And, and they were um, using all type of uh, uh, curse words and, and derogatory terms about the police, uh, just, just provoking our police officers. Unacceptable behavior because the hospital should be a sanctuary where, where you know, we, we should leave hospitals alone. And certainly tensions are on high since the two deputies are inside. Did yes. you see the deputies make swift action? And you said those the protesters tried to get inside right. the emergency room, yes, correct? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And uh, the, the, the actions taken by your security and, and also the deputies was very swift and, and prevented from a tragedy ha- happening in, inside the emergency room. How's your friend? That's the Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. Here they come. Here they come. Yeah. Come on down here. Yeah. Hey. Next one. Yeah. Right where we are. Everybody, mother. Everybody, mother. Record. Okay. Yeah. Everybody. Murder. Civic car too. You got two mother. Lay up right now. Other protesters. All right, that was, uh, well, the aftermath. ABC Los Angeles, uh, the news report they put out, Bishop Juan Carlos Mendez says that uh, protesters sh- shouted death to the police as they tried to enter the hospital after this assassination attempt of two, uh, uh, two police officers out there. It's unbelievable. And the L.A. protesters taunting the police outside the hospital. This was an assassination effort. 
Uh, I can't believe for the life of me this is the world we live in, but it is. And, oh, how's that $150 million cut to the LAPD working out Kamala Harris? Anyway, Freedom Caucus Chairman Andy Biggs is with us. First thing Joe Biden is talking about, the feckless one, well, we need to have an assault weapons ban. Uh, No, we need more police, better trained with more non-lethal options. And, you know, you see you see the rise in what's happening around the country. Everybody now now pretty much understands defunding the police, reallocating police resources. What it means for them and their family is very simple. It is you're on your own. Good luck. And, and for those officers now that do remain under difficult circumstances, uh, they, they, I don't blame them for not wanting to do their job to the best of their ability anymore because they know they will be thrown down the stairs. Uh, Andy Biggs is with us, congressman out in Arizona. And by the way, uh, Freedom Caucus chairman, Lieutenant uh, Randy Sutton is a 33-year law enforcement vet, founder of the Wounded Blue. Uh, thank you both. I mean, you know, there they are, Randy, shouting death to the police, showing up at the hospital after these cops were ambushed and this assassination attempt took place this weekend. And, and let me ask you something, Sean. Do you think you could possibly have a reasonable, meaningful dialogue with those people? It, it's simply impossible. They... Uh, they uh, are there only to spew hate-filled rhetoric and literally threaten the lives of officers who are in critical condition, uh, who, have been, who have been victimized by a, uh, another insurgent in the war on cops. That's the reality. Well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. How's a cop able now to do their job with confidence? All these police, look what happened in Rochester, New York, the, you know, African-American police chief and, and many top brass. We're out of here. Carmen Best in Seattle. You mean I can't use non-lethal options to prevent rioting and looting and arson? Uh, I can't do my job and I'm not going to risk the lives of my officers uh, in the process. Andy Biggs, I mean, and, and you know, the, the left for the most part, Joe Biden barely mentioned the anarchy and the unrest in the country uh, during his uh, convention, for crying out loud. Yeah, Sean, this is part and parcel of, of a leadership vacuum on the left. So these these cities led by the left, they're letting this go on. They're not supporting the, the police officers and the police who protect our rights. And by allowing this to go on, you, you basically say, even though we're investigating some of these, uh, these rare instances that are, that are horrible and we, we need to get due process for them, you can't even begin to have that rational conversation that Lieutenant Sun is talking about because they, uh, the left is allowing this to go on. In some, in some cases, they're actually fomenting this going on. They, they want to see this go on. And that's, you have to just acknowledge that they're pleased with this kind of Bolshevik-style revolution that's going on, and they've made the police the target of that revolution. Well, I think this is what is happening. So what options are now available if people aren't going to do their job? No, that's right. Well, Why would you? Yeah. I mean, you know, well, look I, at this I, I, Kamala Harris tweet, you know, to, to literally to contribute to the Minnesota uh, Freedom Fund to post bail for those anarchists that are arrested. Now, in a state like New York, because of the idiotic policies of this liberal governor and liberal mayor, 
all the anarchists that were being arrested by the cops. They have no bail. They're, they're sent out to go rejoin the efforts of anarchy, you know, moments after they're arrested. What's the point of arresting anybody at that point? Well, the reality is, is Sean, that um, this, this movement by uh, Cuomo and de Blasio to uh, basically deconstruct the criminal justice system in New York has had the desired effect that they wanted. Uh, they are bent on allowing uh, these anarchists and criminals of all stripes to literally walk the streets without any consequences for their actions. And it is it's a dismal failure. And yet you, you, you still see them clinging to this, uh, this platform while, while the blood of the citizens and the police runs in the streets. It is, it's incredible to me that the people haven't risen up. I just got back from, from several days in Portland visiting officers who were injured in all of the violence because of, of my role as, as the founder of the Wounded Blue. And what I saw there was absolutely heartbreaking, Sean. Hundreds of police officers injured in the line of duty because they have not been given the tools by Wheeler, who is, who is absolutely a complete failure as a mayor and a governor who has failed to to do anything, even acknowledge the violence there. It's, it's, it's a shocking what is actually taking place. And yet do these cops want so much to continue to serve. They want to serve, but I'll tell you, I, I, wouldn't blame, I don't blame those people that are leaving. The guys that are on the job, maybe just a very short period of time, either find a job in a department that will support you, uh, and, and get out of some of these big cities, or you might want to think about another profession because it's not safe for you anymore. And you're not able to do the job. You're not even able to use the simple training that that you were given on even non-lethal methods of crowd disbursement. So at that point, Randy, if you've been in, on the job any length of time and you're at retirement age, get out. And they're getting out in droves, I can tell you, in New York City. They're just leaving. They're getting out in droves all over the country. Uh, Portland uh, just lost 50. Now, they've only got 800 cops. And they've... They've, they've been understaffed for a long time. They just lost 50. They're losing another 50. Minneapolis is losing 200 who are retiring because of the stress issues. That's a massive amount. Literally, Sean, what we're going to be seeing here, this is the tip of the iceberg. We are going to be seeing a, the, this is a critical time in policing because with, it, takes, it takes two to three years to get a police officer fully trained, and experienced on the street. With the, with the thousands that are leaving, retiring, or just quitting, and those who are not even joining the police anymore, we're going to see a critical shortage of law enforcement. And that is, go- that is actually what the left wants. They're getting what they want, which is even more heartbreaking. And this is, uh, is going to have a long-term effect on, on America. Listen, Americans now, that recently... And, and Henry Firearms is a new advertiser of our program, and, the, and they have a great program, especially for first-time gun buyers, to, to help people learn everything you need to know about gun safety. Um, and they've got incredible rifles and, and incredible shotguns for people, but they want you to learn how to use it and use it safely. Uh, I've had a carry permit my whole adult life. And but you see now over five million Americans that have never purchased a weapon before in their life or a firearm are now purchasing them. 
And for those people that ask me, well, you know, what do you like, Hannity? I like one that you're willing to be trained in the use of and the safety of. Um, but there are so many good options out there for families. But you can't even have that weapon in New York City. And then that's a big problem. So, OK, the cops now are defunded a billion dollars in New York. The cops that remain want nothing to do with putting their themselves in harm's way, knowing they will get no support and likely be brought up on charges. So now you're on your own, uh, which is what the Seattle police chief was, was telling business owners and residents. Yeah, if there's a riot, I can't in good conscience send my guys in. Well, now the anarchists win, and these are the, this is all happening prior to the DNC convention, and they say nothing. You got a street-side uh, daylight execution in the Bronx, New York, that was captured on videotape. Another typical weekend in the, in the city of Chicago, 53 shot, 13 dead. What did Biden and Obama do? 4,000 homicides in the eight years that they were president and vice president. They barely mentioned Chicago. Nearly 20,000 shot in, their, in, in Obama's home city. This is not a new phenomenon. What's new is Chicago is now the norm around the rest of the country, Andy. Yeah, and that's and that's the, a total failure of the again of their leadership. Because if you want to stop this type of activity, you you make the arrest, and the police are making the arrest. But you also have to file charges and prosecute and get convictions. And when you're letting people out on bail and and letting them go back onto the field, basically to commit more violent crime, you you don't provide any deterrence to anybody. No specific deterrence by getting removing that one individual. But you also don't get general deterrence where people are saying, well. Well, they're going to enforce the laws. I could be going to prison for the rest of my life or whatever. And that is an absolute bankrupt type of policy. And it's, and it's, it's the policy now of the left, which just is, as you see, is all over the country. They're saying, we're going to let people out without any bail. They don't have to come back. We're, we're going to undercharge them. We're not going to charge them for the crimes that they're really uh, involved in. And so there's no support to the police officers to begin with, but you don't have it on the backside either. So oh. it's a total capitulation. All right, Andy Biggs, thank you. Chairman, Freedom Caucus, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, 33-year law enforcement vet, founder of the Wounded Blue, which is a national organization to assist injured cops, kind of modeled after Wounded Warrior. Uh, thank you both for being with us. Uh, Pastor Daryl Scott is coming up. He's got uh, a lot to say and weigh in on all of these issues. All right, we've got time for a quick call in this segment. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is our number. The state of Florida Oh, we'll be paying attention in 50 days. Dan, how are you? You got a minute and a half, sir. <laughs> That's a lot of time for me. Sean, uh, uh, this is Dan. Uh, there's no way that we can thank you for all you do. I'll just say that. There's no way. It's impossible. No, I, I need to thank uh, you, but let's all, let's all win this together. That's my all hands yeah. on deck. Uh, what happened uh, today and, and yesterday or you know, with the attempted assassination of the police officers, and then the uh, chief of police in L.A. saying, effectively, from what I saw on Fox, is uh, uh, sort of a, well, please don't block our emergency rooms. This is, we all have things in life that are, are whatever the word is, you would know it, I don't know. It, it, it's just a line that we never believed that people could cross. And, um uh, uh, as I as I said, I, I don't believe these people who protested and blocked the emergency room there have 
Sean Hannity's DNA, and they certainly don't have mine. I don't believe they really belong to our species. I really don't know how to say it. I've never heard or seen anything like that in my life on this earth in the United States. That's, that's my... Well, I, I got to tell you, it's this is now a new normal. And, but think about this. They've allowed this to go on forever, you know, and that frustrates the living hell out of me. They've allowed this to happen in other cities. We know how to stop homicides in big cities. Rudy did it in New York. By the way, Andrew Giuliani is being asked to run for mayor of the city of New York. Uh, if he runs, I think he could. He has a shot at winning in the environment post-Comrade de Blasio. I really do. Well, you know, time is going to tell. People are going to have to decide. Pastor Daryl Scott is coming up. Your calls are coming up. 50 days until you are the ultimate jury. Live free or die. If you haven't gotten your copy, Amazon.com, 40% off. Bookstores everywhere. Also heavily discounted, which we love. Uh, And uh, quick break. We'll come back. All hands on deck. 50 days are going to fly by. We'll continue. Free or die, America, the world on the brink. 50 days, you are the ultimate jury. 40% off Amazon.com if you've not gotten your copy. Costco's, Walmart, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, bookstores everywhere. Now, we've played a lot of the violence out of Los Angeles, which was nothing but an assassination attempt. And then, of course, the rhetoric afterwards, which makes me want to throw up of these uh, anarchists, you know, taunting the police, outs- the ones that were targeted for assassination outside of the hospital. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Chicago, 54 shot, 13 dead. New York, 18 shootings, 6 dead. Let's listen to the reports out of these cities. Four people were shot. One person died. We spoke with the aunt of the man who died. She says he was in his 30s and he was simply getting a soda from his uncle when those gunshots rang out. Now, Rochelle Henley lives very close to where all of this happened. She says she heard the shots being fired and came running outside. We're told she saw her nephew lying in the street in a pool of blood. Police say he was shot in the head and pronounced dead at the hospital. Good morning. Now, one of those deceased victims is a 28-year-old woman that she was shot and killed in Garfield Park while sitting in a vehicle. This 28-year-old woman was shot in the back. A 26-year-old man was also hit inside that vehicle. Now, both were taken to Stroger Hospital where the woman was pronounced deceased. The man is in critical condition. And again, 53 people were shot over the weekend. 13 have since died, including three that were killed after midnight today. One of the five fatal shootings on Saturday was 78th Street in Diker Heights. At 5.22 p.m., police say 33 year-old Arfon Butt was shot in the torso and pronounced dead at a nearby hospital. He lived just a few blocks away and the gunman is still on the loose. Earlier on Saturday at the Jackson houses in the Bronx, a 23-year-old man was shot dead. Almost the same time in the same borough, a 25-year-old man was killed in a gun battle in the Mount Hope section. Outside the Monroe houses, also in the Bronx, a 27-year-old was shot dead. And in Jamaica, Queens, early Sunday morning, a 35-year-old man lost his life to gun violence. The mayor and the governor really need to step step up what they need to do in their positions because obviously something is lacking here because they're letting the criminals basically run the streets. Since Friday, police have responded to at least 18 shootings compared to six for the same time last year. For homicides, at least six since Friday compared to two for this same weekend last year. I mean, okay, do you get the point? 
the anarchists, they're allowed to run free. In New York, for example, and Biden supports this nationally, and that is the no-bail insanity, which is New York City, which was allowing in the middle of all of the chaos and anarchy and rioting that was going on in New York. Although Joe denied the rioting, didn't talk about it at the DNC. Now he's tried to shift the debate. Salt weapons are the problem. No, uh, that's not the problem, Joe. The problem is when you are vice president, you let 4,000 homicides take place in Chicago and you and Barack barely mentioned it. His home city, nearly 20,000 people shot in the eight years you were vice president in one city and you guys did nothing. You didn't lift a finger to help anybody. Unbelievable. Uh, Now cops are targeted for assassination. You want to be a cop today? I honestly am telling my, my best friends that are cops, I'm like, you know, you If they just started, I'm telling him, you really need to either look at another department, one that supports its officers. I was actually impressed with the lieutenant governor of New Jersey. I don't even know her name. Uh, This weekend went out of her way. Maybe she did it on Friday, 9-11. Went out of her way to tell officers, we won't be defunding you. You are are our only line of defense. An African-American woman, and she's very, very powerful speech that she gave. Uh, did we forget those guys that went into those buildings 19 years ago? Did we forget the, the two Capitol Police officers walking across a ball field up against a guy with a rifle that is that is hidden and camouflaged? I mean, that, that's a death sentence. So sad. You know, all these guys that put their the willing to risk their lives. They, her name is Sheila Oliver. She's been there since 2018. Look, I'm not a fan of the New Jersey governor. Kind of a dope His executive order on COVID followed Cuomo's executive order. Just dumb. And, you know, we now know over 11,000 people were killed because of that one executive order of Governor Cuomo in New York. But he blames Trump. He left Trump's hospitals that he built, manned, and provided every bit of PPE for. He left them empty. You know, New Jersey had access to the U.S. Navy ship Comfort and, and the hospital ship, and they had access to the Javits Center. You know, 75, 80% of the beds that Trump built, they didn't use. They were too busy sending COVID patients back to nursing homes to infect people, the most vulnerable population of all. person that did the best job protecting the elderly was Ron DeSantis down in Florida. And, well, then but the virus came back and younger people got it, but they weren't dying. Is there's a very distinct, there's a great distinction here. That is one thing that remained consistent. Those that were most at risk of dying from COVID were the elderly, those with compromised immune systems and underlying conditions. Younger people do not respond the same way. I know I'm not a, don't ask me, I'm not a doctor. I have no, I don't know why H1N1 would tend to impact younger people, but it did. You know, people spend their entire lives studying viruses. Uh, All right, let's get to our phones. North Carolina, Paul. Paul, how are you? We'll be watching very early, 50 nights from now. North Carolina, we'll we'll get a very clear indication how the night is going based on North Carolina. And that is a must-win Trump state. Absolutely. How you doing, Sean? I'm good, sir. How are you? Good, good. So real quick, I just wanted to say, you know, the left, I mean, they're out of their minds, and it's it's quite clear to a lot of the patriots and the people that are in the middle and on the right. And quite frankly, you know, they got to be careful what they're wishing for, because the only one that's protecting these, and they're not protesters any longer, they're rioters and they're anarchists. That's it. Protest is out of the question. Problem that you have now is the only one protecting these predators that are out there right now are the police. 
Because the bottom line is, if they go and they defund these police and there's no one on the streets and you've got victims that are out there where you've got 17-year-old kids that are dropping people in the street, I have news for you. The varsity team's coming in, and it's not going to be a good situation. But the fact of the matter is, and this goes back to the last time you and I spoke when we had the Second Amendment rally up in Virginia, when we were talking about why were these guys wearing all their gear and their tactical gear and their vests, because the message was trying to be sent very clear. All these folks up in D.C. can say and do what they want, but there's going to be some sort of a consequence at the end of the day. Right now, the only people that are paying that consequence are the small businesses and the innocent people that want to either maneuver around the streets or conduct their business and earn a living for their family. And I'm telling you right now, they got to be careful what they're wishing for, because I don't think they realize just how close to that line they are. I Look, I'll tell you, I, what bothers me when we especially, I think it was Michigan when the guys were in, you know, full tactical gear and you show up with a heavy presence of uh, rifles. Look, there's nobody that supports the Second Amendment more than I do. But when you're making a statement like that, you you are raising the level of, how do I say it? The tensions will only rise. That visual means like we're here and we're ready to go to war with you. Now, if people want to peacefully protest, I'm all for it. But when you make a statement and you show up in tactical gear, What's going to happen is you're going to have one side show up in tactical gear, then the other side's going to show up in tactical gear, and I would argue the odds of it ending well are not very high. And we want to de-escalate whenever we can. And I, look, I asked my conservative friends if you if you have a legitimate reason and lawful reason, well, which I think every American should have, and you're trained in the safety and use of a firearm, and you have a carry permit, by all means, carry it. You know, conceal, I believe in concealed carry. It's not provocative, but God forbid something happens. You can defend yourself and you can defend your family, especially now because the cops aren't going to be there. I just, uh, I like to de-escalate whenever possible. Look, um, over the years I've been a public figure, I've had many situations where, where people try to create confrontations with me. I'll do everything I can possibly do, I promise you, to defuse the situation. I'll do I, I, if I was in a restaurant. Can I buy you a drink? Would you like a drink? Can we just agree that, you know, it's a good time not to talk about politics? Uh, not in front of my kids, please. Thank you. OK, here, please buy. Go go to the bar. Get a drink on me. Um, there are other times I just, you know, will say, OK, this is not worth this is not worth staying in this situation. I'll just walk away. Um, but I'm prepared to defend myself. I just don't want to defend myself. Um, and I think most Americans are like that. You know, in New York, they've got this madness, too. You you must, before you even in your own house, can defend yourself and your family from an intruder on your property in your home. You have to make an attempt to, quote, retreat. I'm like, retreat to where? The bathroom? Where are most people going to retreat to? I, it's insanity to me. As we continue, 800 941 is our number. Uh, let's say hi to Ken is in Indiana. Ken, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, hi, Sean. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, you, go, you go out of your way to make sure you, you label things appropriately, and I haven't heard the word Stalinism. And what's occurring now is even beyond Marxism, it's Stalinism. <clears throat> Stalinism tries to shame people. It tries to uh, make them the object of ridicule. Um, Stalinism destroys people's careers, as they did in Russia, to destroy people's careers so they could not take care of their families. Stalinism accepts only one orthodoxy, and if you don't do that, they seek legal action against you or try to imprison you. And then, ultimately, Stalinism targeted 
political enemies uh, for assassination and murder. And what we're starting to see, especially with comments like enemy of the state, which is a classic Stalinist term, we're starting to see the emergence of Stalinism as a formula for uh, politics in, by the left and the Democrats. So I would hope that you and your platform and others would start referring to this. What it really is is a form of Stalinism, and uh, and I think that would help wake the American people up. And again, thank you for your time. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I mean, you have Marxist, leftism, Stalinism, you know. It is, there's certainly a degree of authoritative statism behind everything the Democrats would do. It goes back to my conversation with Comrade de Blasio about, okay, well, you have four armed police officers guarding you when he came into my TV studio. And, okay, I'm like, well, does every New Yorker, shouldn't they have a right to defend themselves with firearms in their homes in New York? Every New Yorker should have the right to be safe. Do average people, should they have the same safety you have? And if somebody breaks into their house, can do, would you, would you respect their safe. right to have a firearm in their house? Everyone deserves to be safe. And ask the you answer is not for everyone to have a firearm any more than it's for every teacher so the answer to have is a firearm. No. My, I believe people have rights, but I also believe we need background checks. We need an assault weapon ban. If you we have a, a if waiting you have, period for purchase. That I get into it. If you have a background check, no history of mental illness, should you be allowed to get a firearm? Every New Yorker has a right to be safe. He doesn't believe that every New Yorker has the right to the same safety measures that he has in his life, uh, life and, and for him and his family, which, by the way, I'm all for it. I believe politicians, public figures, they need to be protected. I have no problem with that. But allow us, don't prevent us from protecting ourselves with our families. It's that simple. All right, Chris is in Maine. Now, here's something very few people know. You have two electoral votes in the great state of Maine, Congressional District 1, Congressional District 2. There could be an electoral college um, decision where it's 269-269, and it will be Maine's 2nd Congressional District could tip the balance to Donald Trump that he would win the election. That could happen. Uh, Chris, are you in District 1 or 2? Uh, district 2, I believe. Okay, and so your district matters a lot. Yeah, well, you know what? On a, on a lighter note, uh, to take the conversation in a different direction, recently me and my fiance, we've been looking at homes, um, and we've been in and around the Augusta area, the capital of Maine, and uh, I noticed that it's just flooded everywhere with Trump hint signs. So I couldn't find any Biden-Harris signs, so we had two kids in the back seat, and I said, tell you what, guys, while we're driving around doing this, um, any Biden-Harris signs you find, you point them out, you earn a dollar. So over four days, we found a place, but over four days of driving between Lewiston and Augusta, they both earned $2. So there's definitely an unspoken majority of Republicans out there that are afraid to speak up because, you know, these polls really don't cover it. They're afraid of retaliation just for being in a public setting and saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm voting Trump. And that's I'm t- shame, oh, listen, that's I'm telling you right now, there is a there's a group of people, 62 percent, according to the Cato Institute, Rasmussen said it was like 20% of Trump voters. They're not telling anybody who they're voting for. Um, Now, you always have early voting tends to favor the Democrats, but more and more it seems like when they do that, they cannibalize their election day or day of vote. What bothers me is who's watching where where these ballots are being sent, who is authenticating the ballots. Signature is one way to do it. You know, states that are new to this, that bothers me a lot. And, you know, I tell you, my 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 belief is you want to run up the score. If you're a Republican, nobody can can sit out this election. 
Everybody's got to do their part. Because if you don't, you're going to wake up the morning after the night before and ask yourself, why didn't I do more? Anyway, we're watching closely, Chris. Maine's 2nd Congressional District. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Sean's new book, Live Free or Die, is now available. Feel free to grab your copy. In stores and online everywhere. Live Free or Die. All right, Live Free or Die, America, the world on the brink. 50 days, you are the ultimate jury. On sale, 40% off Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Costco, Walmart, Target, you name it. Uh, Nice discounts, but it defines everything that this election is all about and what impact it'll have on the future of this country. And it is deep and it is profound. Um, We've been talking a lot about the assassination attempt against these LAPD officers. And then, of course, you know, the lunatics on the left showing up and literally taunting the police. Hope you effing die uh, while the police are in there being operated on and fighting for their lives. It's not just uh, an L.A. thing. We have, what, 54 shot again this weekend in Chicago, 13 dead, six dead in New York City, 18 shootings there. And, you know, violence and crime and anarchy spiraling out of control. Democrats, you know, only now this this is terrible. Well, they didn't, why didn't they mention it during their convention? Because Don Lemon pointed it out. Uh Oh, finally, law and order and safety and security is on the ballot. And yeah, it's showing up in the polls and it's showing up in the focus groups. So we better change our, our opinions now. Pretty scary. Uh, anyway, joining us, a good friend of the program is Pastor Daryl Scott. He's chairman of the Urban Revitalization Coalition, and he's just come out with his brand new book, Nothing to Lose, which, by the way, was Donald Trump's message to African-Americans and minorities last time. You have nothing to lose. They've been promising you everything for, for decades, and they delivered nothing. Think about all these liberal cities, liberal politicians, the larger percentages, 90 plus percent of African-Americans, usually in a lot of these elections, voting for Democratic candidates. Well, how do you grade them on law and order and safety and security in these cities and states run by liberal Democrats for decades? How's their educational system? Because those are the two most fundamental jobs of any politician. Anyway, again, it's called Nothing to Lose, Unlikely Allies in the Struggle for a Better Black America. Uh, Pastor Scott, I actually had the pleasure of actually speaking from the pulpit of his church once. was the biggest mistake he ever made in his life by allowing that to happen. <laughs> I made it, unlike Neil Bortz, I made it through. I didn't, I didn't cuss. I didn't use one cuss word, which was pretty good for me when I'm out in public. Um, but your whole life is a miracle to me, Pastor. Um, I admire you on so many levels. Many years ago, you were living a life of crime and drugs and madness and in you know, you almost didn't make it, and your faith, your belief in God pulled you out of this, and it transformed your life, and that's how many years ago? 30-some-odd years ago. Yeah, almost um, close to 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, you, I talk about you in uh, the book. I mentioned you in the book. on. The oh, I saw it. I know what you're going to say, and I'm like, okay. But the one part that stands out is I said, I really believe when Sean has these broadcast careers over, he will enter into the ministry. Oh, gosh. And I mean it. Oh, boy. You know what? I'm the one that needed all the prayer and fasting. I'm the one that got in trouble. I've been an incorrigible kid since, you know, when I was young, it was incorrigible. You know, being a talk show host, you got to throw a few sharp elbows once in a while, Reverend. I I don't mind throwing some elbows. 
You know what, though? To Verbal. Me, I'm being honest. And I know out of all of my colleagues and everything, you're probably one of the most spiritual guys I know. And I mean that. I've never believed more in my life in terms of my faith. I really, it's, it's never been this strong. I realize that we're nothing but without God in our lives. That's my own opinion. I'm not trying to proselytize anybody or convert anybody. I think there's a misunderstanding of what Christianity is. I think Christianity is first, you know, coming to a realization that you're not as great as you think you are and being willing to surrender yourself to a better way of life and invite God into your heart so you can be a better person. That's a, that, to me, is the nuts and bolts of it. It doesn't get yeah. any more complicated. I don't know if everyone must think that Christians got to be perfect. I, I think the Christians I know are the ones saying they know they're not, and they want to be better. And we're in a daily quest for God to uh, uh, improve us, to work on us, to continue to work on us. And since we're on the subject of God, I will say this, and I said it in the book, I believe in the omniscience of God, uh, the all-knowingness of God. I believe God sees the end from the beginning. I made a couple of examples, Joseph being one and David being another. And I said, God started at the palace and worked his way back to the pit for Joseph. And then he got Joseph from that pit and worked him up to the palace. The same way with David, he was prophesied that he would be king while he was still tending his father's sheep. And he went back to tending sheep and God got him from the sheepfold and took him to the palace. I said that to say this. I really believe that when I was out in those streets living that life that I was living, and I really believe that during that time when Donald Trump was living the life he was leading and he was building buildings and doing whatever it was he was doing, God knew that was my future president right there. When he looked at him and God looked well, at him. Well, I mean, let, let's go through the Bible a little bit. <laughs> you know, my years in, in Catholic schools and a seminary, let me, let, I'll give you a little bit of knowledge. David you know, was was chosen by God, God's favorite. You know, according to the Bible, he had like 500 concubines. Everybody, I don't, concubines is a word that's very outdated. Uh, but he couldn't withstand, I guess, the temptation of Bathsheba and sent her husband to the front lines to be killed after he got her pregnant. Uh, Moses, you know, never made it to the promised land because of murder. We know about uh, Saul of Tarsus and the conversion on the road to Damascus. Uh, you know, why are you persecuting my people? I would assume the 12 apostles, 11 of which were married, that they probably as fishermen maybe used salty language uh, and weren't so politically correct in their day. Maybe that's an assumption on my part, but I'm but maybe wrong. Um, and it seems that God has a, an interesting way of picking the people that aren't perfect, the people that need the help as, yeah, as people right. he chooses to lead things. Well, the Bible says God chooses, chooses the foolish things of the world to confound those which are wise. You know, to be honest, and you were there from the very beginning, way back in 2015, it seemed a foolish choice to back Donald Trump for president of the United States. Uh, he was mocked. He was derided. He was laughed at. He was he was castigated, criticized, ridiculed. I'm going to be honest. He has a lot thicker skin than I have. And, you know, we watched this guy go from number 17 in the field of 17 to go all the way to the presidency of the United States. And one thing I always say is this. I don't see how he could have lost because of all the prayer that he received in that time. Every time he turned around, Donald Trump was getting prayed on by someone else, by this organization, that organization, these preachers, those preachers. He was the man who we both know solicited the help of God in his political campaign. And I even said it on last week, and I said it jokingly. You know, when I first met him in 2011, he was considering, and I talk about it in the book, he was considering running for president against Barack Obama in 2012. 
and he asked a group of preachers uh, to pray on him that God would give him the wisdom to make the right decision, to give him the wisdom to know whether or not to run in 2012. And I said, I think God spoke to him and said, hey, Donald, don't run in 2012. Run in 2015, and I got you. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope I never hear those words in my ear because I think I want to, at that point, I'd rather go deaf because uh, who would ever want to run for president in this day and era? I mean, you see what's happening. Here's what I don't understand. Let's, let's get to the bottom of this because you, you're pointing out nothing to lose was Donald Trump's message to right. African Americans and minorities in the country. And what he was referring to is what I mentioned at the start of this, this hour which is that, you know, Democrats come calling every two and four years. I, I have laid out the Hannity history lesson on the use of the race card. You know, they're going to put you all back in chains and Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans and they don't even want to count you in the census. And it's like my father was killed all over again and elect a Republican and black churches are going to burn. President saying, what have they done for your school system? What have they done for, to, to make your community safe and secure? Nothing. And in he comes, and what does he do? He's able to do something remarkable, and that is record low after record low after record low unemployment for every minority demographic in the country. Barack and Joe didn't do that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, during the 2016 campaign, we had those on the black left uh, that were constantly complaining about or decrying the condition of the black community, endeavoring to make that a campaign talking point. What are you going to do for the black community? Because the black community is so dysfunctional, it's so disenfranchised. The black community is, 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 is uh, in such a deplorable condition that what are you going to do if you're president to um, improve the conditions in the black community. And Donald Trump asked, Trump asked a question that is right. Okay, if it's that bad, if it's as bad as, as the black left is endeavoring to make it, if it's as bad as the Democratic Party is saying it is, after eight years of a black president, if the black community is still in this bad a shape, then what do you have to lose voting for me? <laughs> I can't make it any worse. <laughs> and right. what he was saying was, give me a chance. Give me an opportunity and watch what I do. And he stepped up to that plate when given that opportunity by 8% of the black voting community. And what has he done? Criminal justice reform, urban revitalization, opportunity zones, prison reform, historic low levels of uh, unemployment, historic funding for HBCUs. And there are so many other things on the table. He's done some ceremonial and symbolic gestures as well. Designated uh, Martin Luther King's home, uh, birth home as a national landmark. He's pardoned. Jack Johnson posthumously. He's done a lot of things to endeavor himself to the black community, but he's not done it for the sake of politics or for the sake of pattern. He's done it because it was part of his overall agenda from the beginning to improve living conditions for all Americans. You know, you think about, you know, your life, and, and I love that you talk about your transformation and, and how things have changed. And you were right there with the president every step of the way in 2015 and 16. Um, and yeah, and, and you, by the way, and you talk about all the different people that are publicly known and your relationships with all of them. I tend to stay away from a lot of that part of it, but, um, and how, you know, you know, being on shows like my show and fake news, CNN and on with Van Jones and, and Don Lemon, I guess it might be a different experience when you're on their show, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know why they were always, you know, when I would be on with the white uh, news hosts, they would be more polite. 
uh, the Brooke Baldwin's, Anderson Coopers, they would be more polite. But what they would do, they would always go get a black person, a black contributor to come on against uh, myself and even other black surrogates for President Trump. And the black uh, contributors they would bring on would be the nastiest, most insolent, disrespectful people you ever want to meet in your life. And Don Lemon would be pretty disrespectful as well because they felt that because they were black, they could disrespect another black. And, you know, me, I didn't take that crap. And so I would hit them back and smack them in the mouth twice as hard as they would smack me. And they didn't like it, and they didn't like me for it. And they would even question the call of God on my life. They would say, well, how can you be a pastor and, and respond to us like this? And I would say, well, if I'm a pastor, you shouldn't talk to me like that in the first place. But, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know why there's this image that field. it would always be one against three and one against four. It would be one Trump supporter and three or four Hillary supporters or three or four Democratic supporters. It, always, well, it was even worse. Uh, Jeffrey Lord would sit on these panels of eight. and It was him versus everybody else or Kaylee McEnany, yeah. with, you know, versus everybody else. And, and right. so, I, you know, they obviously stacked the deck, but you're pretty good at defending yourself. I don't have any worries about you. How do you think, <laughs> you know, look. There's polls out now that show that African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans are showing more support for Donald Trump. I mean, in the case of African-Americans, it's three times the support he's had that he had in 2016. And with Hispanic-Americans, that last poll I think I saw was up 12 or 14. My question is, are those polls real? Because if they're real and they translate into votes, this is a whole different race this year. I'm going to say the polls aren't real only because I believe there's more support for him than the polls reflect. You know, our people culturally, we don't answer a lot of questions from strangers. That's just just the way it it is. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of people in the black community and the Latino community, but I'll key in on the black community, that don't want to be a part of cancel culture. They don't want the arguing. They don't want the bickering. They don't want the back and forth. They don't want the ostracism, the criticism, the condemnation that comes with being a, a, an outspoken Trump supporter. But they know that when they get in that booth, they're going to vote. I think the poll right, numbers stay are right actually there. higher Pastor for da- those that support him. Yeah, stay right there. Pastor Daryl Scott, nothing to lose. Uh, unlikely allies in the struggle for a better black America. I want to get a prediction from you when we get back. Uh, listen, our friends at Building Homes for Heroes uh, last week, they began the process. They're now giving away 11 homes in 11 weeks. These are custom homes, remodeled homes that are specifically designed for those brave men and women that come back from fighting wars for us to protect us and protect the cause of liberty and freedom with the most debilitating injuries so they and their families can have transformative lives. And they've done an amazing job. So doing 11 homes they give away free in 11 weeks. Uh, for example, Isaac uh, Francois, who just got his, you know, his home just recently. An amazing story. Immigrating from Haiti. Navy medic. Ten years. New mortgage-free home was gifted to Isaac and his wife and his three children. And 19 years to date that, you know, his flight was postponed to come to America. Pretty amazing. At 25 till the top of the hour, uh, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Our friend Pastor Daryl Scott uh, remains with us. Uh, He's got a brand new book out, Nothing to Lose, Unlikely Allies in the Struggle for a Better Black America. We've talked at length. The president ran on a slogan for minorities. Well, you got nothing to lose because they didn't they they make all the promises every two years, every four years. They tell you Republicans are racist and sexist and misogynist and 
homophobic and xenophobic and Islamophobic, and they want dirty air and water, and they pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. Well, the you know they, the Paris Climate Accord recognizes China as a third world country, so they don't have to pay what we pay. How about we stop and get out of it for that reason, um, which is nuts. But the president did something Barack and Joe never did for minorities in this country, created opportunity zones and in places where neighborhoods and, and Americans have been literally denied opportunity. Uh, the president was the one that funded for the longest commitment, lo- largest amount of money to historically black colleges. Criminal justice reform wasn't Barack and Joe. It was Donald Trump prison uh, police reform. It was not Barack and Joe it was Donald Trump. Record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. Donald Trump did that, not Joe and not Barack. It's amazing. Their economic you know, record was atrocious. I mean, I, it's amazing to me the mob, the media will never point any of these things out to you. They just they just refuse. I'll give you 13 million more Americans food stamps. They increased the people, the number of Americans on food stamps by 58 percent. Eight million more Americans in poverty after eight years of Joe and Barack. That's over 43 million Americans they left in poverty. Lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Ninety five million Americans out of the labor force under Barack and Joe. African-Americans out of the labor force was 18.5 percent. The worst recovery since the 40s, one in five American families didn't have a single member of their family in the workforce. One in six men in those important work years of 18 to 24 were either in jail or living at home with mommy and daddy. Lowest uh, home ownership rate in 51 years and accumulated more debt than every 43 administrations before them combined. And Trump shattered every record. All right, which raises the question for Pastor Scott. His brand new book is out, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Nothing to lose, unlikely allies in the struggle for a better black America. First, you, you took a lot of heat as an African-American pastor in Cleveland for supporting Donald Trump, didn't you? Yeah, I took a lot of heat, but I don't know, maybe because of some psychological defect I had, it really didn't bother me that much. Yeah, by the way, I, 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 I have the same defect. I just don't give a flying, you know what. In some cases, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire, and, you know, and so, you know, it fuels, it motivates. Uh, but, you know, I knew one thing. I knew from the private conversations I had with then-candidate Trump all the way back to 2011, when he and I first had our conversation regarding the condition of the black community, he told me out of his mouth all the way back in 2011, he said, I believe unemployment, underemployment, depressed living conditions, and poor schooling contributes to the disparities and the uh, overall uh, depression of the black community. And that if I was president, jobs, better jobs, improving their surroundings, their communities, and giving them better opportunities for schooling would go a lot, uh, go a long way in elevating the community. He told me that in 2011, and I believed it, and he began repeating the same thing in 2016, and I had no reason not to believe him. The Democrats have been selling us a bill of goods for years, Hillary had been in office for years, you know, prior to that in, in, in politics. You had Joe Biden and Barack Obama. Here's Joe Biden working with the first black president for eight years, eight straight years. And you can't think of one 
positive things that they did exclusively for the benefit of the black community. How is it that so Joe have- Biden gets away with his his praise of the former Klansman, Robert Byrd, the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act, opposed the Voting Rights Act? How does Biden partner with this guy uh, to fight back against the integration of schools because he doesn't want his kids going to school, um, you know, uh, that, that he called a racial jungle? Kamala Harris, you know, pounded him in a debate, but now she's his VP candidate. You're right, and I believe that's why they won't allow those two to make appearances together, because the question is going to have to come up. You called this guy a racist months ago in the primary. What, what happened? Either you were lying then and he wasn't a racist, or you, you, for the sake of an opportunity, which is what I believe, you're talking about a sellout, and they got the nerve to call me a sellout. A sellout is a person that violates personal principles for the sake of advancement, uh, for the sake of gain. She sold out for Joe. The, the prospect of being vice president made her abandon all of her prior opinions of him. But here's a guy who has a well-documented history of negativity towards the black community, well-documented in public life, public service. We have it on video. We have it on record. We have it in the He gets a pass, Pastor. He gets a pass. He does. All right, here's the important last question. Prediction. There weren't many of us that saw the path for Donald Trump to become president in 2016. We were both... We both saw that path was possible. I see it's possible in 50 days. I can't guarantee it. I don't have a crystal ball. I think that, you know, in my mind, you better act as though you're, you're six points down. You got two minutes left in the game. You have no timeouts. You're on your own 20, and you got to march down the field 80 yards, cross the plane, and kick the extra point to win. It's got to be an all-hands-on-deck moment, and if people want to stop this radical agenda, they, they better get and go out to vote, especially in your state of Ohio. You're absolutely right. In, in Ohio and nationwide, we have to get out and support uh, President Donald Trump. And I'm also believing, I'm believing there'll be between uh, 20 to 25 percent support from the black community. That's my prediction. Uh, the silent majority, they, all of them together, because I know too many in the hood now that were virulent anti-Trumpers three, four years ago that love him now and they're going to support him. There's a groundswell of support for Donald Trump in the black community is going to surface. I'm believing between 20 and 25 percent. A bold prediction. If that if that happens, it's game over. Donald Trump will be reelected. I'm believing so. All right. Well, uh, say hello to your beautiful wife. I don't know why she seemed to like me more than you. She told me so. (laughs) I'm teasing. She recognizes good people. You don't oh, get on nerve like I do. <laughs> no, no, no. She's awesome. Uh, please, please send my best regard. She's a great lady. Uh, all right, my friend. God bless you. Nothing Thanks. to lose. Unlikely allies in the struggle for a better black America. Past Daryl Scott. Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Now out in bookstores everywhere. You're going to want to get a copy. Terry is in Florida. Terry, how are you? Glad you called. Thanks for being with us. Sean, it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, I just wanted to express a concern. You know, everything that's going on with law enforcement and the hate for law enforcement, I'm in corrections, and my brothers and sisters, you know, we're outnumbered 40 to 1 when it comes to the prisons, and we're already shorthanded, and what happens if this spreads and the inmates start to riot onto us, and we don't carry weapons inside the prison system. We have nothing to protect ourselves. You know, nobody's thinking about that, and, you know, we're kind of like the 
the forgotten. No, listen, my, I, I don't know if you know, my mom was a prison guard her, all her, my, my young life growing up, all her adult life. She worked 16-hour yes, shifts. I barely saw her. She was working for yes. her family. And, and she is one of the ones that made it through and it's it's a very you have to be a special kind of person to work inside the prison system i listen i wouldn't want that job in a million years but she was convinced i was going to be on the other side of the jail she 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 since passed away but i think she worked herself to death to be honest i listen you're right you guys can be sitting ducks there and these these inmates i watched every prison show that's ever been made these inmates are very clever uh, they have the ability, they make weapons inside of jail, they make their own hooch inside of jail, they get drugs and phones inside of jail. I don't know how they do it, but they, they you know, if they ever used the, the creative genius that exists in there for something good, they'd all be rich and they wouldn't need to be in jail. Um, it's kind of sad to see that talent wasted on just, a, you know, the criminal mind. But in many ways, you're right, you're a sitting duck. What are you going to do? What are you going to, there's not much you can do. If they decide that they want to turn against the guards, that could happen. It's happened before. We've, we've witnessed this before. Now, the only thing you can do at that point is, you know, try and get in and save the guards that are in there, and it's going to be a violent ending. But, you know, yep. I don't know, I don't know what else you can do except keep these guys locked up in isolation or, you know, 23 hours a day and let them out one at a time, I, you know. That doesn't go a long way to rehabilitating anybody, right? No, it doesn't. And the uh, best you can do is just keep us all in your prayers, all law enforcement. I love my brothers and sisters, and and uh, I just pr- pray for us as we I try do to make too. It through this. That's a that's a really really hard job. And I I watched. Yeah, you know, my mom wouldn't even talk about. it. I think she was embarrassed. She was a prison guard. She didn't want to. You didn't know, never wanted me to talk about it. Well, you know. I, you know, I'm actually proud she did that. I mean, she did it, and she worked the extra shifts, the 16-hour shifts all the time. So our kids, her kids didn't do it for vacations and new cars. They didn't get them. They didn't take vacations. They did it so their kids could go to Catholic schools. And, they, you know, they sacrificed both my parents to do that. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, I don't think it's exactly the most pleasant job on earth. But she succeeded in as much as, you know, she accomplished her goal. And paid a price for it. I believe probably died young because of it. So it's that stressful and that difficult a job, and the kind of hours she was working was insane, just insane. You know, I when I try to explain this to my own kids, they don't get it. All right, Dad, I know. Okay, Dad, leave me alone, Dad. Um, they get it, and I'll to be perfectly blunt. I didn't appreciate it enough when I was young. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been so incorrigible to my poor mother. Don't leave this house. I'd be like, you can't stop me. Isn't that terrible, Linda? That's awful, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about the same way you are now when I tell you to do something. You when say your no. father gets home, that's what I got. Wait till your father gets home. Then she'd get him all worked up. I'd walk in the door and off comes the belt and here we go. Oh, man. And some people, by the way, if anyone did that today, you'd be brought up on child abuse charge. My father well, didn't abuse me. that's the problem. There's way too many parents trying to be friends to their kids instead of trying to be parents. Your kids I don't try to like be you. my, I tell my kids all the time, I'm not your friend. You want a friend? Go find somebody else. Exactly right. I am your parent. Exactly right. And I'm going to remain your parent until you show me you're an adult. Did you see that New York Post article on the Brat Pack in New York City? Oh, yeah. Yeah, these little little domestic terrorists that are out there blowing everything up. Oh, you mean the girl with her little dossier of uh, plans to to kick people out of their homes and apartments in New York? Meanwhile, she's got more money than God. Yeah, she was in the parents' second home. 
parents must, own must like be, a $1.8 million dollar apartment in New York. They had a second home on seven acres. That's where they found her. It's hard. It's really, it's a struggle to hide on those seven acres. You know, I really feel yeah, for her. so hard. You know, poor, poor little rich kid. Makes me sick. I, I, I just, they know not what they do. You know, think of it. They just, they just, they grew up in a school system that is deranged and indoctrinates them. Okay, so them. I don't disagree with you, but by the same token, I think of like the Bernadine Dorm and, and, and the Bill Ayers of our time and, and what they did with the Weather Underground. And we had that same thought, right? Like, they know not what they do. Okay, well, 20 years later, they were still as radicalized as they were 20 years ago, and they had no remorse or repentance for what they did. So I, that's look, what I'm they, afraid of when I look they at these domi- kids. Th- this mindset dominates academia. You know, I stay out of my kids' colleges stuff. I just stay the hell away because I can't get, I, I'll drive myself nuts. I really will. I, I, when my kids tell me what they're learning and, and the stuff that the professors say, now my kids happen to agree with their dad. It's pretty interesting, but I tell them, don't express your views in college. Just shut up. I was just talking about this yesterday at church. I was standing there with some folks Can you imagine me telling them to shut up? I'm like, you know what? Yes, just, I can. Just get your degree. Do your thing. And if, you, if, it, if it warrants you can speak up, I'll support you speaking up. But honestly, if you know, you got to really want to enter that world. Uh, you know, like, that's why I admire Charlie Kirk so much. Him in Turning Point USA. Um. I'm just not ready for my kids to take on the burden of, you know, having a dad that's a well-known conservative. It's just not worth it to me. You know, let them enjoy their childhood. Let them find what they love in life. And then I'll support them to get there. But I've told both my kids, I said, I'm not giving you all my money. You got to live life. You were born. God gave all of you, both of you talent. Find it. I'll help you find it. I'll give you the resources you need to do the best job you can. But after that, you got to work. You got to find you got to serve other people in this life. You don't get served your whole life. You know, this is like the perfect enclave into doing our job creators live read here because job creator is, is all about that. You know, that's what they are. They're about getting people to work, showing them how to get a job, showing them how to get, you know, their best skill set. And this is something that these kids have never had to think about. And now, you know, we're the taxpayer is paying them to be political terrorists in our streets to work for act blue and, democracy now and all these other people and I'm, I'm telling you the search for the money behind these these protests and the riots that's going to be the real source to the answer of how we put an end to it i think you're right we'll get all right that's going to wrap things up for today uh set your dvr hopefully every night hannity fox news nine eastern best election coverage 50 days till you decide the la county sheriff uh will be joining us tonight also geraldo dambongino uh, Candace Owens tonight, Judge Pirro, Pastor Daryl Scott, Sarah Sanders, Eric Trump, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox, best election coverage. And we'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.